This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and our co-host Charlie is not here right now, but I am joined by the great David McGarry. David, it's been like two months now since we spoke last time. How you doing? Howdy, folks. I'm very glad to be here, and I'm doing very well. All right, great. Has it been two months? I don't know. When was Freedom Fest? Let's see. Uh, Freedom Fest was allegedly in July, but I've, I've lost track of time at this point. That's right. That's right. Uh, so not two months quite just yet. Why don't you give everyone a nice introduction since I thought it best uh, to not say that when we started talking. Um, at this time, I am a policy analyst at the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, and I'm also a social mobility fellow with Young Voices. So I do a lot of writing about economics. I write about law. I write about a little bit of history here and there. And, you know, what is two thumbs and uh, loves individual freedom <laughs> and markets and all sorts of other good things? This guy. This guy right here. Okay, great. I agree with you on that as well. Social mobility fellow is that. Did Amanda tell me that she was doing something like that as well? I believe is Amanda Griffiths doing some other type of thing with young voices that sounds like what you just said? We are compadres in this fellowship. Okay. And I'm always very excited to be working uh alongside her so it should yeah. be it should be a great fall yeah she's uh she's awesome she's been hanging out with us for quite a long time here on the show so i do want to get into a couple of the pieces that you've got out right now you got three that we could potentially talk about on the on this episode and i told you i was interested in the one about adam smith and uh, workers freedoms so i'm always interested in who's going to protect the worker uh, and how they are going to have their power versus the evil big corporations. And you got a great piece in the American Institute for Economic Research. Why don't you tell people what the gist of that is? Yeah, so I was going back in and reading through Wealth of Nations, and Adam Smith has a incredibly eloquent denunciation of the sorts of barriers that government partnerships with big labor put on workers' freedoms. And as he points out, also on would-be employers' freedoms. Um, because whenever anyone is, whenever there's a contract, obviously there's two parties. Um, and Smith really lays out how, um, back in ye old guild, uh, times when you had all of these guilds in Western Europe, they managed to do things. Well, I mean, first of all, they would, they, it was basically occupational licensing at its, at its worst. So they would limit the limit who could participate in various occupations, they would limit the number of apprentices that the guilds or that masters could take on to artificially limit the supply of workers in their field. So for example, he has a great line where he basically says that the silk weavers of London took scarcely a year to institute all of these restrictions after they were incorporated. Um, guilds also, I mean, honestly, they're, they were far worse than, um, than unions today. 
considering the fact that they would have all sorts of uh, trade quotas, they would have output quotas, they would they would uh, squash new technologies because if you came up with a way to more efficiently do whatever task you're trying to do, that could lower prices. And God knows that we wouldn't want to lower prices and lower the guild's profits. Um, and Smith really lays out the moral foundation for all of this, um, or I should say against all of this, uh, that workers ought to be able to go and make the most of their own personal uh, talents and their own opportunities, um, and that this freedom really functions to the good of all of society. Smith has a really important conception of the foundation of prosperity being a division of labor, because when I'm doing one thing, I can put all of my efforts towards that one thing, and when you're doing another, you can do the same, and then we're able to be in, uh, we're able to basically supply one another's needs. Um, through systems of specialization and then through trade. Um, and this is a really important way of looking at capitalism, looking at markets, uh, being that each participant is doing a fundamental moral good by, by chasing profits, because what that really means is that each participant is providing uh, very necessary goods and services to the people in their communities and to the world at large. Yeah, that's really something that people have a hard time uh, with these days is the notion that profit is actually a good thing. Uh, when we hear people making a lot of profits these days for a lot of people on, especially on the left, but even some on the right, that can be equated with theft, uh, essentially. But profit does mean that you provided that value in society. And if you think that someone has a monopoly and that's why they're profiting, well, maybe you want to have more competition. And there's something that you mentioned there earlier. It's you know, one thing I think unions really get wrong is that they do hurt competition by making it harder for businesses to come into the market. And one of the greatest things for a worker is to have other options that they could go work at. And so that would naturally make those businesses uh, want to treat the workers better. Right. But they they seem to kind of take their chips down and just want to control that one that that one location and never think about the one that could offer them a a, a better life or a better salary, right? You make a wonderful point. Uh, unions are nothing if not inflexible. Um, and flexibility is a really great thing in um, in any market because it allows people to uh, essentially purchase a good or, or negotiate incrementally um, in a way that benefits them. And whenever you have any organization, whether it's a union, whether it's a government, or frankly, whether it's a big bloated over oversized corporation that comes in and tries to impose one size fits all rules um you get problems you get inefficiencies now the good news is that for private sector unions not not counting their 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 special little handouts from government but <laughs> theoretically private sector unions and corporations can then be undermined by competition but obviously there's you know there there the government has a monopoly on force and the government isn't going anywhere so whenever the government gets involved the huge difference is that there's no opportunity for an incumbent to come in and challenge that market share. You mentioned in the piece, you mentioned California's AB5, and I will want people on the show that listen probably sick of me mentioning the PRO Act, but it is what I think the, the scariest and worst piece of legislation that I've seen in a long time. Um, is that really to help the workers or they're just special interests that are involved in this that don't like the fact that people can be independent contractors and skip out on those unions and make their own way. Like what's the reasoning behind ideas like this? 
Well, it's to help workers, but just like the um, just like the guild system that Smith wrote about, um, it's about a very specific small group of workers that are either in the guild or today in the union. Um, things like the PRO Act and, go, and going back to California's AB5 law, uh, the, the primary beneficiary of those are the or, or is the unionized labor, which uh, which cannot be competed with. Um, under the provision of these of these proposals or these laws, right? Because if you say, okay, uh, uh, X, Y, or Z worker is no longer allowed to um, work as an independent contractor, that forecloses an avenue of competition that could have undermined unions' power. So functionally, this is to protect a minority of workers, but then of course you go back to the fact that too many politicians uh, have too many financial interests all tied up with unions, which is really something we don't talk about when we complain about campaign financing. Mm. Uh, we could make the argument that at one point in time, unions were necessary, I guess. A lot of people will make that argument. Maybe you will as well. Are they necessary now? Well, I don't think that the public policy question is about whether or not they're necessary. Um, I am for the abolishment of all public sector unions. Um, however, in the private sector, part of being a free market kind of person is that you uh, you believe that folks are allowed to coordinate as they so choose. However, the problem comes when government starts entrenching the power of unions and tipping the scale towards big labor, because at that point, you no longer have workers who are free to operate outside of the union system, or maybe workers are less free to operate outside of the union system, and to ditch unions when they start to, to uh, harm the market, harm workers, harm companies, um, and and so, like I said, the, the problem really comes back to when the government is getting involved. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think you should be able to start a union with your friends if you want to. I just want the business to be allowed to fire you if they want to. And that's that's the way that the market uh, should work, in, in my opinion. Now, have you seen some of the recent negotiations that have taken place? Uh, just one more thing on unions uh, with say, uh, UPS and then the new ones that, with UAW right now, where they're asking for these big pay raises. Uh, are, are you worried like I am about the inflation that can ripple through the economy when you have all of these things asking for these massive pay raises? It's great for them at first. And then I worry about what happens when the market catches up afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think at the end of the day, I'm more worried about the uh, I'm more worried about the workforce ramifications and the inflationary ramifications of these things. Um, but, but along the lines of what you were saying, actually, uh, Amanda had a wonderful piece that came out recently that's showing how um, how the federal government is really intervening to to stop union uh, to, or to stop unionized workers from leaving their unions. And again, this is just another example of how it's not actually a fair playing field in too many ways, in too many instances these days. Yeah, completely agree. I want to shift over now to uh, let's shift over to protecting children online. I know you've already talked about that today, but I did want to ask you your thoughts on the proposal for the Digital Consumer Protection Commission or the DCPC, as we're going to call it around here. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, along with Lindsey Graham, uh, pushing for a new agency uh, to protect us from these unelected big tech crats uh, out there by installing a new agency of unelected people uh, to to control them. What are your thoughts on this? And then what did you talk about earlier today when it comes to protecting children online? Right. So the overall um, the overall issue with a lot of these bills to uh, 
I don't know, sanitize the internet, for lack of a better phrase, is that they treat the internet as if it's not part of real life and as if you can put in place all sorts of unconstitutional violations or or maybe um, all sorts of regulations that that will stifle creativity and innovation and uh, economic prosperity. Again, as if the internet is works by different rules than than real life does. Um, but no, I mean, econo economics still still applies and the Constitution still applies online. Uh, in in <laughs> in regards to the to the commission, um, first of all, Republicans should be very wary whenever they find themselves agreeing with Elizabeth Warren. But also, I would I would suggest that that the the argument for this commission that is that we need to regulate the internet as we regulated uh, uh, is, is is the FCC regulated or as uh, uh, new uh, authorities regulated the nuclear industry, I would argue that that rationale is sort of self-defeating, considering the fact that, in, especially until the 90s, the FCC really made a muck of things and, and created all sorts of government-supported monopolies. And I think we all know that the regulatory burdens that we put on the nuclear industry has really done great harm to America's energy sector and to all these things like innovation and growth and, and economic dynamism, et cetera. So, I really don't think that there's any meaningful argument uh, for 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 these proposals, except for a short term um, a short term fear mongering mindset. Which, while I think it does identify some uh, limited concerns with the internet, has the solutions all wrong. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life, and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or feeling like your relationship needs a little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past, and honestly, it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life, made me who I am today. And our co-host, Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash G-M-L. And so what, a, you know, does the government have any business trying to protect children's activity online? Uh, say the, the predators on there, uh, there's the targeted advertising that they're worried about. Uh, it could be a really dangerous place, I guess, for kids. Uh, is that their business or is this more of a parenting issue? Well, the answer, the answer is a little bit of both. Um, and we've actually seen some proposals from folks like Ron Wyden to basically up enforcement of, or, or uh, of actual federal laws against criminal conduct against children online. But for a lot of the more popular conversations that we're having that are really capturing the hearts and minds of uh, status both on the left and the right. Um, the solution to your child finding things on on social media is for you to parent your child better. Um, there, there's a lot of talk of parental rights and less talk of parental responsibilities. Um, there are also increasing numbers of tools of content tools that parents can use, and these tools, by the way, are being provided by the very big tech companies that we all love to hate on. Um, 
but but it's it's parents responsibility to involve themselves and to help their children navigate these spaces in a safe way um and as i said there are market provided tools that help parents limit screen time that help parents limit the contact content their children will find and it is a very dangerous place we get into when we try to force the government into this um into these issues that are best solved by the private sector and by the family so is it is it that the government wants to take control of these industries or or and do this regulation or is it that parents are actually just you know kind of being lazy with their responsibilities and it's these great people in the government want to come in and and help them like where does the problem start first here yeah, so parents certainly must do more. Um, we as a society obviously are still very much adjusting to um, to, uh, to to how to cope with the digital world because this technology has, I mean, let's be honest, it's been it's been in some ways greatly destabilizing. Um, so yes, parents need to catch up and start doing more. And I really hope that more and more parents will do so. However, at the same time, when we look at um, many folks, and unfortunately in both parties, there is a definite tendency to want to come in and force the government's um, conception of good parenting onto parents. As uh, Antonin Scalia wrote in a in a really great Supreme Court opinion uh, years back, which was about a California attempt to uh, bar minors from accessing violent video games. And what Scalia said is that for all of the rhetoric to the contrary, what it comes down to is that these sorts of laws are trying to force the government's conception of what should be in the guise of of saying that they're empowering parents, right? Mm -hmm. I think that um, I think that it's very important to remember that, unfortunately, for better or for worse, parents are making a choice right now, or many parents right now are making a choice not to parent their children. Again, that is a that is a you can say it's out of laziness, you can say it's out of ignorance, whatever, but that is still a parenting choice to allow their children to access all sorts of uh, websites, applications, content, you name it, but that affirmative choice again or even even if it's a passive choice it must be changed by the parents it is their job to raise their children in the online space the same way it is that is their job to raise their children in the so so-called real world um and i think it's a really dangerous place for um people who have libertarian tendencies i think it's i think it's very dangerous for for libertarians and libertarian adjacent types to say suddenly that the government can get this involved in micromanaging family life um, after it has spent so long eloquently and correcting, co correctly making the arguments of why that is a bad idea. Have you been getting ads for this thing called Project Liberty Action Network? Have you seen anything about that at all? I haven't, tell me about it. Okay, I was gonna see if I could share my, my screen to you. I, I got this ad and I didn't really know what it was. Uh, it had, it it has to do with social media. It has to do with big tech, and uh, let me let me just share this, and maybe this would be cool to uh, to talk about. Let me pick this. Yep, there we go. We'll share that, and now I can add that screen. Okay, that's cool. All right, Project Liberty Action Network. This shows up in my um, in my feed on on X. Let me see if there's sound too. We the web, living our lives online, while social media profits with no regard for us. Let's overthrow social media tyrants. There is a solution. Join us. Let's lead the way. Okay, so we so we got that. We they start with the I saw the we and of course it's written, you know, like we the people. And it's uh it's we the web. 
I go to their website, Project Liberty. This has got to be good. I don't know what we're going to do here. Maybe it has to do with big tech censorship. They're censoring people's opinions on online, right? They're that know it all has to do Project Liberty Action Network is a movement to build a better web that serves our communities. The Kids Online Safety Act. Contact your senators and ask them to pass the Kids Online Safety Act. Medical experts, parents, and youth themselves agree. Social media is fueling a mental crisis. And then um, this is an ad for the Kids Online Safety Act, the entire thing. So uh, that's that's what's going on. Oh, I didn't realize it wasn't sharing the other pages I was going to. I thought I was going to share the entire screen. My bad. Um, that would have been that would have been better if it was actually sharing to you the whole thing I was looking at. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought maybe that would be an ad you were getting since you're following this stuff and and writing about it all the time. Yeah, there, I <laughs> I like to avoid being too glib about people's concerns about the internet because I think a lot of them have value and or at least they come from a valid place. However, whenever I see things like this, I have a hard time uh, keeping my eyes from rolling fully back in my head. <laughs> um, first off, if if uh, uh, again, just to apply our basic our basic economic uh, knowledge. If social media companies were providing no one any value, then for what reason have all of these platforms obtained so many consumers' dollars and, and all this ad revenue? Um, so first, so that's my first question. And second off, as for their support for the Kids Online Safety Act, they say that they want to build a better internet. And as we know, again, from offline economics, what is a better way to entrench monopolies and to protect incumbents besides getting the government into the business of uh, of adding layers upon layers of burdensome regulation that prevent innovation and prevent startups from entering the market? So I think that they, not only is there all sorts of of, of imprecise and and uh, uh, in just fear mongering language here that is that is disingenuous and distorts the the full picture of what online life is like but it also their message is completely self-defeating and i have i have i have such little patience for mm. um for for this kind of rhetoric especially because i actually think that we do need more competition online um i don't think the government should be the one in charge of of creating it but i think unquestionably we want a dynamic innovative market where um, you are seeing new companies, new platforms, new products that are coming in in response to demand and coming in to fix and improve upon the models that have come before and to um, provide better products to consumers. Yeah, uh, I I completely agree. And, that you know, I'm, I've got something up on the screen again where it talks about parents worrying about their children and the use of technology. Why, why does that take the Kids Online Safety Act? to to fix something when you're worried about your kids use of technology you're the parent limit their use of technology that it's on you to do it they're worried about their they're they're going to do it for their kid but their friends parents uh, their their kids friends parents aren't going to do it for them and then they're going to look bad so they want everyone to have the same limitations on their technology i guess well i think that's actually a really important point is that because it's impossible to know a person's age before verifying that age, um, uh, pr uh, 
proposals like this don't only affect the internet for kids. Um, you can't, I mean, really effectively, you can't just make kids pinky promise that, for example, for now, uh, as of today, you know, they're over 13. We've all seen that, right? Just, just having kids pinky promise and click the okay button doesn't actually, doesn't actually do the trick. So you have to, um, number one, verify you, all users age online, which has all sorts of privacy and, uh, and, uh, uh data dissemination concerns. And then also for the ways uh, that bills like uh, like the the Kids Online Safety Act, bills like California's age appropriate design code, uh, for the way that they purport to 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 mold a child safe internet, they're really creating a child safe sanitized internet for for all, and that mm -hmm. is a huge problem that more people don't uh, don't actually deal with. I've never heard anyone mention that before. That's a really great point. Uh, I, I like that. Making a child safe internet for all, which sounds terrible, uh, honestly. I don't know. Maybe that's what we deserve. Maybe that's the internet that uh, our society <laughs> deserves these days. I don't know how we've done with this one. You know, I agree that that social media, I, I guess it's been a net positive, I guess. But, man, there's a lot of bad stuff. There's a lot of negativity that we're all carrying all the time that uh, we really shouldn't. And we talk about how, well, it's great. You can keep up with your family and all that. I'm like, okay, that's like... 0.1% of my time on social media, probably the rest of it is throwing more hate into the world, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, I don't know. I want to ask you, I guess, as a last question, has it been a net positive for us? I think it has. Um, and I think that a lot of the very real negatives that it, that it has introduced, um, I think we're in the process of working through those things. Social media is a very new technology. If we take a responsible uh histor historical view um i mean how long it has it been since we really had social media i mean 10 15 20 years this is a this is a transformational um world shifting technology that we're dealing with and as a society we have to figure out how to compensate for that the same way that there was there was incredible destabilization destabilization um introduced by the industrial revolution. Um, it produced all sorts of chaos. It, it largely produced, uh, or at least uh, fed the fires of socialism and, and Marxism, which we are still dealing with today. Um, and I don't think that that is an argument though, that we should go back and deindustrialize the world. Nor do I think we should try to go back and end the internet and honestly, a lot of these these concerns, again, while I think they are reacting to real harms, a lot of the the extreme, the extreme, the ex I think that the extreme way with which um, they're expressed, for example, in that ad is really reminiscent of concerns that people had about basic democratic governance. And I certainly don't think that we should go back and start advocating monarchy. <laughs> um, so. Real problems, yes. Do parents need to take more responsibility? Yes. Are there things that government can do at the margins to to properly um, uh, uh, chase after law or uh, uh, lawbreakers and and um, and other sorts of wrongdoers online? Yes. However, let's take a forward looking view towards this that respects liberty and free markets and all of the other principles that we as libertarian and libertarian adjacent folks say we love, and let's go from there. All right. David, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always. And uh, I, why don't you let everyone know where they can go to find more of your work? Yeah, go on Twitter. Find me at David B. McGarry. 
and you can find all of my uh, all of my writing and also some other random things that I that I think of, in, including some some pretty some pretty nasty commentary about uh, Major League Baseball's umpiring crew right now. <laughs> baseball fan, huh? I'm just excited about football season and you're talking about I could do baseball if there weren't so many games. You give me like 50 games, I'd be a big baseball fan. That'd be that'd be great. But when it's like, you know, 100 and freaking 90 games or whatever it is, I just feel like nothing matters. So we'll have this debate. Let's do a debate over which one's better someday. Okay. America's past. Sounds All right. good. All right, David, thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks.